0: Welcome to the Life as a Coder Podcast Series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Monday. Hello, we'd like to welcome you to the Life as a Coder Podcast Series. Brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. My name is Jennifer McNamara. I will be your host today. Our goal is always to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management. And if you're a first-time listener, uh, we thank you for listening today. We also encourage you to hit that subscribe button. Follow us whenever you get your podcasts. We are found on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and now iHeartRadio. We also have our disclaimer that our podcasts are not to be taken as legal or professional advice. My podcasts are based on my years of experience, thinking now almost 19 years in the industry and billing first and then coding and and now auditing and, um, and now podcasting. So I enjoy what I do and I like to share what I've learned, why I love this industry. And this podcast is designed to talk about my life as a coder and hopefully your life as a coder and what things I can do to help you succeed um, in your life uh, in this industry. Today is, of course, Monday, March 22nd. Our topic today is podiatry challenges with routine foot care. Recently, we had our Ozark Coding Alliance-sponsored uh, Care Summit uh, for 2021. It was virtual. Many of you, of course, many of you listeners attended, and we had the fabulous Terry Fletcher of Terry Fletcher Consulting uh, that joined us. We asked, had Jessica Burke, who is one of my uh, connections and one of my favorite uh, ortho in the industry, very knowledgeable. And she gave us some great insights into uh, the hand coding and uh, the E&M changes for 2021 for orthopedics. Uh, we did talk about the foot and ankle procedures. I had that privilege of talking to y'all about that. But we didn't get a chance to talk about the routine foot care which isn't surgical, of course, but is done in the office quite frequently. Um, we do want to talk about that today because it is a challenge. It's a reimbursement challenge. Routine foot care, what is that? Well, it is a coverage uh, guideline that is, of course, covered by some insurances, but typical, you know, sometimes there are things that Medicare just does not cover. And a lot of these patients that come in for routine foot care do have Medicare, as one of their insurance uh, policies, their main insurance policy. And so what they understand is that uh, Medicare really, these services, they, they exclude them from coverage with certain exceptions. Anytime something is excluded from Medicare, um, it is not a covered benefit. And we're going to talk about things like the ABN form today. We're going to talk about those exceptions to the rule and how we, of course, expect to build those out on a claim form. Uh, But routine foot care is what they're going to do during this procedure. They're going to cut or remove corns or calluses. That's part of that policy. They're also going to trim, cut, clip, and debride those nails. Um, They're also going uh, to look at any hygiene, preventative measures that they can offer them. They're going to suggest to them, right, to perform that cleaning, soaking the feet, any of the creams they offer them to maintain that. Um, So anything like that, that's routine is not covered by Medicare. There are exceptions to that rule though, aren't there? So when there's a medical condition, right? We wanna bill our insurance companies for things that exist of a medical nature that can affect their care and put them at risk, right? So if there is a risk of infection or injury um, that they could encounter if they were to try to trim their nails themselves, right? uh, There are circumstances that of course we have to look at and the physician has to look at things like systemic conditions. Now, when you look at it, the policy, now, whatever your MAC carrier happens to be, I happen to be in the state of Arkansas. So my MAC carrier, my um, Medicare um, contractor, as it would be called, is Novitas in the, the region I live in. If you're in California, you have Meridian, split up by the northern and southern. And other areas like Florida, you have different ones. You know, Missouri has a different one than me. They're just our neighbors to the to the north, but they have a different WPS. They have a different MAC carrier. Uh, these these contractors that Medicare contracts with to cover guidelines in certain regions, right? So in our region, we have very specific guidelines that we follow. It's always a good idea to look at your local coverage determination, your LCD policies on your mat carrier's website. And if you um, don't know how to get there, you can also go to CMS, um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, and you can go to the LCD policies there. Type in a code, type in, you know, a, a name of a policy, it'll pop up. Uh, but again, most of the time it's best to go to your local MAC, your local regional carrier's website, and it's easier to find those there. You can type in routine foot care, LCD on, on there will take you to that MAC carrier's website to do that. But again, the common diagnosis codes or conditions that we see for underlying conditions uh, that are covered, things like peripheral vascular disease, diabetes, um, there's chronic thrombophilitis, peripheral neuropathies, Um, there's things that are associated with other things, things associated with multiple sclerosis, alcoholism, all of these other items are listed as exceptions to the rule. Now, when it comes to the coding guidelines, Medicare does require if we're going to bill them for a non-covered service, such as routine foot care, they may have certain documentation requirements and modifiers that we have to apply. And they happen to have three distinct modifiers, right, that they want us to use. So whenever we're billing those procedure codes for the routine foot care, for the trimming of the nails um, or those calluses, those corns and calluses, we have our class findings class a finding we have to append that modifier q7 when it's a class 2 finding class b it's going to be uh, the modifier 8 uh, q i'm sorry q8 and then class b and class 2 is actually considered a class c finding and so that would be Q9. That's the modifier we apply. And we do know the provider is aware of these podiatry is, of course, the study of that of that area. And they're going to be the provider that is going to perform these typically. And of course, they're going to be the ones uh, that will do this and know about these class findings. Now, we're not going to go into detail on them, but when you look up the the Q7, Q8, and Q9 in the class findings on your MAC carrier's website, they're going to give you that specific information. And your LCD policy, your local coverage determination policy, is also going to give you the details about those findings and what they are. And you're going to find those items documented to back up your claim that you're going to use those modifiers. Now, those findings have to be there. Um, We need to see evidence. They have to see evidence that also they're under the care of their uh, PCP during the the past six months. That is a a definite requirement. Now, most claim forms, um, the electronic forms, and I know this because I do bill podiatry every day. It's kind of ingrained in my head. uh, So I'm familiar with this. On my claim form, we have to click a little button that says podiatry. Maybe you have a different format on yours. And I have to put the last date that they saw their PCP. I also have to put the name of that provider. I recommend always tell your front office staff, those that are doing the registration, when a patient um, is coming in for routine foot care, make sure you have a referral on file. It really aids in helping you um, understand who that referring physician is, that PCP, and the last date they were seen. Sometimes you're gonna have to get regular referrals sent Or you're going to have to call that office and and get documentation of the last time that they saw their PCP because Medicare needs to know that information. They need to verify the patient is being seen, being followed for that condition that we're using as evidence of this exception to their routine foot care rule. So we're going to have to have that information. Um, And so one of the conditions that we always see with the trimming of the nails is the mycotic nails. The treatment of the mycotic nails is one of the reasons that we get coverage for that. So we have to understand um, when to use that procedure code, or excuse me, diagnosis code. They also uh, want us to talk about excessive frequency that is not medically necessary. Frequency is considered excessive, according to Novitas, when services are performed more frequently than generally accepted by peers and the reason for additional services is not justified by documentation. So again, if they request records and they want to review that, they may consider certain things excessive, but that's what we understand. But what do we understand about non-covered services? So it is a non-covered service. Normally a non-covered service is just non-covered, right? It's We don't expect to bill it on a claim form. We don't bill non-covered services. Ordinarily the patient is billed. And so for circumstances where we bill non-covered services or maybe the patient decides, I want you to go ahead and bill it and see if they pay. We may know it's not going to pay because we don't have the criteria met. It's always a good idea to get an ABN form signed. But remember, the only acceptable um, ABN form for Medicare purposes is the CMS ABN form. It's the official ABN form for Medicare. And it must be present. To the it must be presented to the patient before the service is initiated. It's very important we give it to them before it's initiated. It has to be completed exactly like it's asking you to. If you have questions about the proper use of it and and how to fill it out, there are uh, some great um, articles out there, some great information. But again, they do give you instructions on their form on how to fill it out. It has to be completed and attached to that EMR in their records, in their chart somewhere that we have access to. Now it's not appropriate to use them every time for all services and for all beneficiaries. It's only to be used for those instances where we are required to use them. Now there is a modifier that we may be aware of, maybe not. Uh, It's the GY modifier. It is when filing claims to obtain a Medicare denial for secondary payer purposes. Sometimes we have to bill it because the secondary payer is going to get the claim and they, of course, need to get it. Right. So we have to bill it to Medicare. We have to add the G.Y. uh, because we understand that we understand it's going to be statutorily excluded. It doesn't meet the definition of a Medicare benefit. And we we tell the insurance company we understand this, but we need to put it on the claim because the secondary payer needs to receive this. Maybe we have an EM service attached to it and we have a 25 modifier attached to the EM. And we have to get that second procedure now off to another insurance so they can process it. And that is another reason why we would use it. So, another modifier that I like to point out is our GA. This is when there is a valid ABN on file. So, if we are using ABN appropriately and we have to bill something, Um, We understand that the purpose of the GA is to tell the insurance that it may not be submitted with services that are statutorily excluded. Uh, We understand that. So know the purpose of a GA is when there's a valid ABN for, for things that may or may not be covered, but the GY is strictly for things that are statutorily excluded and that do not meet the definition of a Medicare benefit. That is our routine foot care. Use your G.Y. modifier for these instances, or you can choose to create a code in your system. We actually have a code. If the patient doesn't meet the criteria for routine foot care um, to be billed to Medicare with those exceptions, we add the G.Y., um, to Medicare for if they have a secondary payer. But if not, and we the patient understands they're going to pay in, in, up front for that, we have a certain fee we're going to charge them. We have these little dummy modifiers <laughs> that we call them that we put behind the code that our system knows there's a certain fee attached to that, and that patient is only going to be charged that fee for the physician to trim their nails uh, as a courtesy because they don't they understand it's not going to be covered by their insurance. Now, another item I wanted to touch on is the actual LCD policy itself. Now, I understand many of you, of course, may be familiar with an LCD policy, a local coverage determination policy. Maybe some of you are not. But one of the some of the key things I wanted to point out is when you get to that policy, you always want to scroll down to the the A policy. There's an L policy that starts with the letter L. Then there's the billing and coding article the local coverage article just so important that gives us our ICD-10 codes that we can bill right that are allowed it's always important that you educate your provider if they're not aware of how we understand medical necessity for a procedure i had to educate my physician this is the report that i get and i, I show him this policy here these are all the codes that are allowed for this procedure for this insurance for this for medicare And then he knows, okay, I have to only do this if the patient has this condition. Otherwise, the patient knows, yeah, I have to pay out of pocket for this. The policy will have the same information. Typically, I have those class findings on there for you. A lot of information. When you get to the coding information, it's going to have groups. So when you go, I'm just reading off of our current one. If you're you're at your computer, you want to pull up the policy you're familiar with for the routine foot care. Group one is going to give you the codes the 11055, the 11056 and 57 for the pairing or cutting of those lesions, the corns or calluses. And then we also have our 11719 through our 11721. We also have our G0127 if we're billing that G code to Medicare for the trimming of dystrophic nails. Then we get to our Group 1 paragraph, of course, gives us instructions on the modifiers to use, how to, of course, use those. Then we come to our Group 1 paragraph ICD-10 codes. These are the codes that represent uh, what we should be billing on our claim form. There is also little asterisks or additional information that reminds us, for instance, it tells us if... They're under the care of a doctor of medicine or osteopathy, an MD or a DO, or another QHP, another qualified non-physician practitioner. Um, And they're evaluating them every six months. That's where we get that information. That's where we get our documentation that shows us we have to have proof every six months they're being followed by this type of physician. The next is the group two codes. So if you have a group two codes and specifically, this only applies to group two codes now, group two codes are labeled on our on our form here. It says it's the 11719 through 21 and the G code. So just for the trimming now, these only apply to trimming. We have now three codes specifically that tell us these are the primary codes. Some policies tell you exactly the order of how to bill your diagnosis codes. Order is the key to getting paid. It's so important. So for this particular area, these three, four codes, we have primary codes under group two. It tells us it's that, of course, mycotic nails. It also gives us the nail dystrophy or uh, uh, the uh, onychogryphosis code, the L60.2. Those have to be primary. And then we have group three. Now we have further instructions. The next step in the process is to know our primary code, first of all, But then it also says if we're going to expect to be paid by Medicare for the 117192021 or the G code, we also have to have the appropriate uh, symptom code. So in the absence of systemic conditions, we can bill that B35.1, the L60.2 or L60.3 as primary, followed by a representing symptom code secondarily. To add further guidance or coverage, uh, the reason why we're doing that. Then group three tells us all of the listing here. We have uh, 16 codes here that we can bill as secondary. They include pain in the foot, pain in the toes, include cellulitis. It includes uh, ingrowing nails, unsteadiness on the feet, abnormality of gait. These are options that we can use as secondary. So again, remember, whenever we're doing that, make sure we do have the order involved. If our code requires a primary and a secondary in this specific order, we just want to make sure we're following that, right? So then we come to our group four codes. It gets a little bit confusing when we have to understand how to apply these uh, policies. Group four now tells us all of the codes are involved. These are also codes that represent when a patient has evidence of neuropathy, but no vascular impairment. So now we have to look at these codes for those instances. So just always be aware when you're reading your policies, read it in entirety, so important. We don't wanna miss valuable information on these policies that can help us get our claim paid. Maybe we've been trying to bill and bill and we're like, what is going on? I can't seem to get this paid. I'm not quite sure, what am I doing wrong? Always check the order of your diagnosis codes. Check to make sure you have the right modifiers in there. Uh, Maybe you have the wrong Q modifier. It doesn't really apply to the diagnosis you're reporting. All of those things can be helpful. Are you putting your date, the last day they saw the PCP? Are you putting the referring physician, the name of their their PCP on there? So just read through those policies as as closely as you can. Get to know them. It doesn't really matter if it's routine foot care or maybe it's another type of procedure you bill regularly. Uh, Get to know if you have a policy on that procedure for your area for that procedure. When I was coding uh, remotely for other companies around the country, I would run into this. I would be comfortable with my Arkansas LCDs, but I happened to work remotely for a hospital in Chicago. That was the client's hospital that they billed for. And I had to look at that MEC, uh, that regional care um, contractor, their um, policy on a certain procedure. And they didn't have one. I would look at it i like, are you sure? Are you sure? I'm used to there being a policy on this, but this area of the country didn't have a local coverage determination policy. It was based solely on medical necessity, and you build the claim and you let them decide. But when there is a policy, we had to follow it. Uh, We had to read it in entirety, understand it completely, and uh, be aware of that. Another guideline that you want to pay attention to on that specific LCD policy is where it says the utilization guidelines, read that too. Because like we said, there may be frequency guidelines. Um, routine foot care services are considered medically necessary once in 60 days. Have you missed that on your policy? Have you thought, well, we think it's frequency allowed. We think it's, it's normal frequency. It's, it's great, right? But if your policy states something differently, if you have that routine uh, foot care policy with your local carrier, and it says once in 60 days, it says here, Novitas instructs: more frequent services will be considered not medically necessary. Services for debridement of more than five nails in a single day may be subject to special review. How many of us are familiar with our MUEs, medical unlikely edits, that instruct us that there are only a certain amount of units Medicare allows per day for a certain code? Um, so if we're doing more than five nails in a single day, there may be they may have to review that. Um, but these codes specifically are designed for one to five or six or more. When we come into the realm of where we have, you know, the same code being billed multiple times, that's where we run into those MUEs. Some codes like this, they have an actual in the description, right? It says this is for one to five or this is for six or more. Uh, but if we do build the six or more code, they might look at that. They may have to request records. They want to verify, right? If you're doing more than five toenails um, in a day, they might question it, right? That's all it is. They just want to know if that's what you're really doing because they're, they're paying for the service, right? They want to make sure that it's being done appropriately. So that's just some of the the things that I wanted to point out and, um, you know, bring to your attention. And we hope that this has been helpful for those of you in podiatry. And I am in podiatry. I do it every day. I'm right there in the trenches with all 'all. y'all. I do all of the coding, some of the coding that all of you do every day. I understand the reimbursement challenges. I understand the frustrations with appeals and trying to understand how to correct the claims and how to do the correct claim process correction for each payer can be really daunting. Recently, we came across, uh, we weren't used to this previously, but some of, one of our other payers uh, also decided they didn't want to uh, cover the routine foot care for the diagnosis that we had been using. And we weren't used to that. So there was an update to their policy recently. We had to remember that now, print that policy out, remember this, email all the coders, all the billers. If you get a claim denial for this insurance, let us know. Uh, But we had to print that out for the clinic. And now we have to know this insurance now has an issue with certain diagnosis references for routine foot care. So you may have to keep up to date on all your payers. I always like to have my binders. If I have a certain um, clinic that I have several policies to reference, I will have different areas and different tabs in my binder for different payers. This is the policy for this payer. This is the policy for this payer. If I get stuck, I don't remember it, maybe I'll go back and I'll look at it and see if I can refresh my memory on that. So that's another item that you could think about. So it's always our goal, right, to inspire and educate. And like I always say, knowledge is power. Don't give up on coding. Keep learning and keep growing. So this has been Jennifer McNamara with Life as a Coder podcast. I want to thank you to Ozark Coding Alliance LLC for sponsoring this podcast today. We look forward to talking to you at our next episode. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance, LLC. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Monday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.